in our prayer of diversity there, uh, as we think about our diversity, it's not only as we gather here, but it's in our music as well. And that's one of the best ways to represent our diversity. I was reading in the paper uh, last week, and I started to read through. You probably can't see all of this, which is okay. I didn't want you to read all of it. But uh, I was going line by line because the middle line caught me, where it says, think it's Alzheimer's, think again. And the first line, it says, he stopped playing golf. He loved golf. She no longer knew the word for car. All she ate was candy. And I started to think, hmm, this sounds familiar. (laughs) He asked, are you married? I'm his wife. She would write her name instead of mom on cards. She couldn't follow her favorite recipe. He became absolutely obsessive about time. This is when it really started to get to me. Uh, We thought she was just depressed. I can't remember the last time my dad gave me a hug. She left her son at the movies and went shopping. And it wasn't intentional, right? Like most parents would probably do. Um, She told me that, uh, she told me the CEO that, uh, I can't even read that. Uh, His mother died and he had no reaction. Anyway, as I was reading through all of this, I started to think, well, that's what's wrong with me. Because this is starting to sound familiar. And by the time I got to the last line, I thought, this is it. And I can't pronounce the name of it. The Association for Frontotemporal Degeneration. I thought, that's it. I have been wondering what's wrong with me all this time, and now I know. And as I worried about it and obsessed about it uh, for a few days, uh, it was, uh, you know, just one of those things that stayed with me. Uh, until I forgot. (laughs) Memory is a big deal, isn't it? What do we have if we don't have memory? And how sad it is when people do start to lose their memory. And certainly that is a part of aging, or if someone has dementia, Alzheimer's, uh, or this particular uh, disease, then, then that is something that does happen. But it is, it's very sad. And what we've heard expressed so eloquently by the author of Lamentations, and I know we have not spent much time as a church in Lamentations, uh, but the reading comes around uh, each year, and there's always something there that is for us. And I hope that you have your Bible there or a pew Bible where you can take a look at it. But the author of Lamentations is expressing how memory and how vital memory is to our lives, especially uh, how it relates to hope and our ability as humans to have hope. And I invite you to to look at it there, and as you look at this, to consider if you can identify with the words. Just as I was identifying with some of those things that were read there, maybe you can identify as well and find hope this morning in your memory. 
To understand the seven verses that we've just heard in chapter 3 of Lamentations, we really need to know the context of those verses. So we really need to go back and look at chapters 1 and 2. And I hope that you'll do that uh, between now and the time you come back for our uh, storytelling and potluck tonight. But if you look at those, you'll discover some things that, uh, that you might be able to relate to. And in these first two chapters, we learn how bad his afflictions really are. Violence, starvation, and by the way, starvation to the point of cannibalism. If you'll read those first two chapters, you'll get a sense of that. Babies dying, so this infant mortality, oppression, and more gory details that you can read about. Uh, as you go through those chapters. And the author just can't get it out of his head. And so by the time we get to chapter 3, you, you see that it is something that is going on deep inside of him. It is a troubling thing in his soul. And he states, and, and this is uh, such a powerful phrase that still relates to us today, the thought of my affliction and my homelessness is wormwood, and gall. My soul continually thinks of it and is bowed down within me. Again, he just can't get away from it. In the midst of all of this affliction, though, the author finds hope. And so you can't stop at chapter 2. You can't stop at chapter 3. You have to keep going. As he thinks about what he's going through now and what he and his people have gone through in the past, he remembers how God has been with him. Not only how God has been with him, but for him. And it's hard to imagine that much uh, of this, all of this, this agony and what it would have been like to have seen and experienced uh, all of the suffering that he did. Uh, maybe you can identify with that, at least on some level. And as humans, we all suffer, don't we? Uh, we've looked at some of that as we've heard about uh, some things that Paul wrote to Timothy in the last couple of weeks, and that suffering is not a sign of sin. It is not a sign of God's lack of favor for your, your life or your well-being. Suffering is something that is common to us all. And we see the agony and the terrible things going on here. And it's it's like with the Holocaust survivors uh, or people who uh, experienced Katrina. It's also hard to understand how anyone could come out of any of those experiences with a positive memory of God. It wouldn't be unusual to even question how there is a God in times like those. And we may judge people who do. But we've probably done that as well, haven't we? How could there be a God when people are starving, when children, when babies are dying for lack of food or water or love? And we could wonder about a God or at least a God who cares when such terrible things were happening. And if you have ever suffered inexplicably, or been close to people who have, then you certainly might agree how difficult it is to believe in a caring God. As we've heard this morning, we can look back 
in our pain and remember something about God. And it may not be a positive thing, but you can probably look back and see and understand something about God from the experience that you've been through. And this may feel like a a fool's errand to do so or a foolish experience. And if so, it's okay. It is okay to feel that way. I'm thinking, though, that as you remember your affliction or the pain that is inside of you, you also remember how God was present with you in some way during that time of suffering. The most significant memory for the author is that God has been faithful. And we see here, uh, he says, but this I call to mind. So he stops in the midst of all of this terrible stuff that has happened to him and to other people. And he says, but this I call to mind. And therefore, I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. It almost sounds like a different person, doesn't it? Who could go from singing the blues to a a hymn of adoration? How can you make that shift so quickly? I mean, it is the same person. And it is a confusing contradiction. Yet the author's experience of pain and abandonment from God doesn't diminish, diminish his recollection of how God has come through for him in the past. I wonder this morning, can you see God's faithfulness in your past? This is something that we are called to do in Scripture, to look back, not in the sense of uh, uh, depression uh, over over things that we might have done differently or done better. It's not for that. It is to see how God has been there for us in the past. And you may be going through the worst time of your life. I mean, it may not be the past. It may be right now. And you may have told some other people about it, or you may just keep it quietly to yourself and you deal with all of that pain and and all of the difficulty on your own. And it may be so dark and dire that you're having trouble seeing anything at all. And the pain of our sorrows and our grief can do that. It can affect your memory. And yet we are called to go back to the things that God has done. Spending time in theological reflection isn't something that you consider when you can barely get out of bed, right? I don't think you you want to just stop and say, okay, well, uh, I'm going to think about the theodicy of God or I'm going to uh, postulate uh, on the the, uh, the majesty and the glory of God, or I'm going to get um, a theological book out and read through it, and that might help me. That's not what you do, right? If you do, we want you to teach Sunday school. <laughs> and yet God has a way of working through our darkness and depression to provide the ministry of memory to help us see how God has been with us in the past and to recall how God's deliverance has been there for us 
even when we thought things couldn't get any worse. The steadfast love of God comes to us as fresh and as consistently as each new morning. You got up this morning, and it was a brand new day. And as we get up from the struggles and the challenges and the darkness of things in our lives, we can realize that God has given us another day. Recalling God's faithfulness to you in the past has a way of getting you through the present, even if it means waiting a while on God. And that's where waiting comes in. I hope I didn't lose you on waiting. That ties into that word patience. And we're always told not to pray for patience, right? If you ever do, you may not do that again. But we hate to wait. We are impatient people. But in in Hebrew, to wait is the same word that is used for hope. We don't really have that in our language, do we? In our English language. Wait is, is something that is very different than hope. But not for them. And the author of Lamentations discovers that the Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul that seeks him. It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. When was the last time you were waiting in line? Maybe yesterday at the grocery store or waiting in line uh, to get into traffic or wherever it was. You probably were not quiet about it. What do we tend to do when we're waiting in line in the store? Somebody will turn around and go, these people are so slow. And they've said that the uh, chip in the cards now is the equivalent of uh, someone who is writing a check uh, in line. Remember checks? When people would write them out, had, had no forethought of doing it ahead of time. Uh, and maybe just filling in the price, but having to do all the stuff you have to do now to insert your card and to have the check, the the thing go through, um, it takes waiting. We don't like to wait, and we certainly don't like to wait quietly. But it seems like we are constantly hearing about uh, the waiting of people in the Old Testament texts. And then the season of Advent is just right around the corner. As soon as all of the Halloween candy is gone here in a few weeks, guess what comes out? We just skip right over Thanksgiving and go into Christmas candy, and uh, it'll be there waiting for us. But in the season of Advent, it is one of waiting. It is constant waiting. For 40 days, we are waiting on something. And Christmas is about understanding what it is that we're waiting for. And then there are the Psalms like the one that Jesus prayed while on the cross, as he was asking God, Why have you forsaken me? Why am I having to wait? Why am I going through this? Why all of this affliction? God, where are you? Even still, he waited with hope for God to arrive. And God did. So waiting is the hard part of all of this, isn't it? If you're like me, you hate waiting. Even if you know that there is something good that comes to those who wait, it's just not a mode that we like to be in, right? So are you in a period of waiting? 
right now? And, and what are you waiting for? What is it that you are longing uh, for God to do or longing to happen in your life? We just celebrated six years as a church. And we talk about things in the past, but things to come as well. We find ourselves in times of waiting. And I sometimes hear the desperation in the voices of people who are waiting on God. They wonder if waiting is foolishness and a waste of time. And maybe you've felt that way too. I have. You begin to wonder if God is really ever coming. And as you wait, you may even begin to wonder if there really is a God. As we have our time of communion in just a few minutes, we find ourselves waiting once again. We are waiting at the table of the Lord. This is World Communion Day. And maybe I should ask that as a question. Like, this is World Communion Day? How can we all partake in Holy Communion around the world when there are so many horrible things that are going on? How can we join with sisters and brothers around the world in the belief that God is present with us in the bread and in the cup when we see no divine intervention in the evil and the suffering in our world? I mean, if we're thoughtful at all as global Christians... Shouldn't we have some problem with that? Well, the answer, I think, is because we, in this time of waiting, we remember that God has shown up for us before. And God will show up again. Does anybody believe that? Elie Vassell, a Holocaust survivor, died this past summer. After being freed, he spent the rest of his life bearing witness for other people, the people that were with him in the death camps, the people that uh, he didn't know. But as a survivor, he felt the need to talk about it. And he wrote about this in his book, Night. Let me read to you just a few phrases. Then came the march past the victims. The two men were no longer alive. Their tongues were hanging out, swollen and bluish. But the third rope was still moving. The child, too light, was still breathing. And so he remained for more than half an hour, lingering between life and death, writhing before our eyes. And we were forced to look at him at close range. He was still alive when I passed him. His tongue was still red, his eyes not yet extinguished. Behind me, I heard the same man asking, For God's sake, where is God? And from within me, I heard a voice answer. Where he is, this is where, hanging here from this gallows. We wonder the same thing at times. 
Where is God? We wait for God to come take away all of the affliction in our lives, but end up finding that God has entered into it with us. God is there, hanging there for all the world to see. What a great thing to remember on this World Communion Day.